0: Vertical, how we doing? We're not Aggies, we don't whoop, but we can make noise. Let's make some noise for Hayden Browning and the band that came from Watermark Community Church in Dallas. They're gone, oh well. Hey, if you could turn your attention to the screen, tonight we're gonna start by looking at a few letters that some ancient philosophers writ, or wrote, yeah, wrote for us. And so we'll just turn your attention to the screen. I'm not sure if you'll be able to read it. There's the first, here's the first one. It says, I'm angry at you and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow. P.S. just for some clarity all day. We're not talking. P.S.S. I still love you. So, Hey, I love you, but don't even look at me the next two days. Okay. All day. Just for clarity. Okay, so that's the first letter from an ancient philosopher. Second one we'll look at says, dear Nichols, I think I like you. Love, Marina. Poor Nichols has got to be confused. I think I like you. Love, Marina. Also, poor Marina. Never heard of anyone named Marina, okay? (laughs) Let's keep going. Third one. This one's when it starts to get weird. Happy... Valentine's Day. Or it doesn't even say day. Happy Valentine's. We're not even going to go there. I hope you had a great day. Have a great day. That's nice. And I like you too. And by like, do you mean love? If you do, me too. Okay? So he's just, he's saying, hey, I'm a self-protect. You said you like me. Did you mean you love me? If yes, I do too. But only if you, if we both you know what I mean. Okay, let's keep going. It's a run-on sentence. If you do, me too. But we can't be boyfriend and girlfriend. My mom won't let me. <laughs> you laugh. My mom wouldn't let me either, all right? At whatever grade this is, this seems like it should be, I don't know what grade, because they can't spell friend, so who knows where they are on the, you know, whatever. Anyways, my mom won't let me, but we can like and be friend and play together behind mom's back, okay? You've all done it. You know you've done it. It's okay. But, P.S., it's not my best writing, okay? At least they're clear. They know. They're like, hey, I'm in the sixth grade, still can't spell writing, all right? (laughs) Problem, problem. Okay, last one. Last letter. This is obviously a letter between two people. So, First, but are you ready to be there when I'm mad or need to cry and I can do things that I can't do with anything, anyone else, but you wit? (laughs) Response, yes, I am ready unless I am eating fried chicken. (laughs) This is good. Honesty. This is the best policy, right? I'll care for you, honey. Minus the fried chicken here. Let's keep reading. So chicken is more important than me? And he clarifies, only the fried kind of chicken, not grilled. Grilled is stupid. Grilled doesn't matter. And also only when I'm hungry. You get it. This makes sense to you and to me. But if not, you're the only one I care about. If I don't have fried chicken in front of me and I'm not hungry, then you are my everything, honey. You laugh. It's the way that we actually think or act. And the reason why we start with that tonight is because, one, that's fun and funny, but two, because, because we're going to talk about love. Relationship series, Ring by Spring, it's only right that we start talking about love. And love is, is, is this thing that we don't really realize we haven't figured out yet. We all have this understanding of what we love, think it, what we think love is, and and we we come in, but really culture and other things are sometimes clouding that view of love. What do you think of when I ask the question, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me no more. Or maybe you think, Kiki, do you love me? Are we riding, right? Like, am I right? Okay, thank you. That's respect for those that know what I was doing there. That's what love, that's what we think of when we think about love. That's what we think of when we think about love. Culture's telling us all these different things. And, and then even just think about the way that you talked about love this week. I want you to think about it. You're like, oh yeah, I love my mom and I love fried chicken, right? You're like, wait, this is the same thing that we're using, the same term to describe a food is the same term we describe the way we feel about our parents, our own view of love. For example, I love Baylor football. Amen? Y'all are like, we won one game last season. I know, bull bound. All right, anyways, I love Baylor football and I I love the people around me. I love all these different things. The way we even use love, I was with Chambers yesterday. We were coming back from a retreat and I was like, Chambers, I love you and I love this barbecue right in front of my face. Like, what's up with that? This is the same way I would describe each of these things. And so these things, not just culture, but even the way we describe love could often honestly cloud our view of it. And not to mention the way culture is talking about it today, where love just equals sex. Let's just be honest. Love just equals sex. Or love is just this really, really strong desire. Or the newest is that love is just acceptance. That's all love is. I don't know what love is. It's kind of hard to define and, and all these things. And then let's just go a step further. That was all culture. That's all what we say. Let's just think about what people have done to us that said they love us. I don't know about you, but statistically speaking, 50% of this room it has parents who are divorced. And so I'm just going to let you in. My parents, my dad, he came in. He's like, son, I love you. And I'm like, hey, dad, that doesn't make sense because I don't know if you know this, but you left about 15 years ago. And about every year, you could have come back. And so you're still saying you love me, but you left. And so I don't know where you stand. I don't know who told you they love you and then they left or they broke your heart or, or maybe it was a parent or maybe it was a family member or maybe somebody said they love you and then they wronged you in some sort of way. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that our The view of love is clouded by so many different things. Which is why we need to turn to the Bible. We need to turn to truth to tell us what love really is. Why? Because I would venture to say that everyone in the world is looking for love. Let's pray as we go into God's word. If you can bow your heads with me. Lord, would you reveal your love to us tonight? Would you you show us through the power of your word that does not return void the love that you have given us through Jesus? May we all get more of a glimpse of your love that you have given us. And I'm just gonna ask you to pray for yourself in this moment that you might get just a little bit more clarity on God's love for you tonight. Would you pray that over yourself? and then would you would you pray that that I would abide in this moment knowing that apart from Jesus this time is useless it's wasted would you pray that I would just say what God has for me to say would you pray that for lord would you use this time to reveal your love to us in your name we pray amen you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. It's where we're gonna be tonight. It's a famous passage about love. You probably heard it at a wedding before at some point if you've ever been to one. It's the most commonly used passage at weddings. I just wanna set the stage for you. If you were here last week, we were in the book of 1 Corinthians as well, and we talked about the dysfunction and disorder among the Corinthian church. And so Paul was writing, answering questions. And so what's happening at this point in scripture, you need to know this because I don't want to just rip it out of context and pretend like the letter was written to us. I want you to know that among the disorder and dysfunction, there's all these people claiming all these different things about, about, uh, these mysterious things like wondrous things like signs and miracles and all these things. And Paul just inserts in the middle of talking about all these miracles and signs and all these things. He's clarifying this question. And he goes, hey, but just so you know, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Just so you know, if you have all the power and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith as, as though you could remove a mountain, if you don't have love, you are absolutely nothing. So Paul's like, I'm going to clarify all this stuff for you, all this wonder, like mysterious stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't love, it doesn't matter, all that other stuff. None of that other stuff matters. And so that just sets us up. That that actually allows for us to look at this more freely. That's why it's not heresy to use it at a wedding. It's helpful for us to get an understanding of what love looks like. And so tonight we're going to see that love is more than just a feeling. We're gonna see that God's love is greater than we can imagine. And we're gonna see that God's love grows our love for others. 1 Corinthians 13, verse four is where we'll start. Let's read it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. I wanna pick a few of these things out. We're gonna stop right there and just cut this up slightly, very briefly. I just want you to see patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. Let's go ahead and move it into our worlds. We have roommates. We have these people who continually leave things in the washing machine and not move it to the dryer. And you're like, are you ever gonna do it yourself? Or am I gonna have to do it for you? Every single time, I think I'm actually, I think I'm, I'm doing your laundry. I'm even folding it at the end of the day. And it's, it just so happens that that same roommate is the same roommate that leaves the dishes. They're like, they eat and they just drop the dish and they go, go on to the next thing. They don't even think about it. It's inconceivable to them that they should wash the dish in that moment. So patience and kindness. You're murmuring. You understand what patience and kindness is. It's caring for them, being gentle with them, maybe even kindly reminding them, to do the dishes, but it's, it's not thinking less of them. It's treating them well, being merciful. That's patience and kindness. That's what love is. It's very real to us. Okay, patience and kindness. Then it goes on to say, love does not envy or boast. I want us to focus on these two things real quick. Envy, comparison. It's a jealousy of somebody else. As you look and you're scrolling through the Instagram feed, you see it and you're like, this person only works out, eats healthy foods and takes pictures of them working out and eating healthy foods and i think they get paid for it and that's insane and i'm jealous <laughs> that's what we think envy and jealousy we want that life it frustrates us when we see that life right or that don't even get me started on the person that's in a different country like every week this summer i'm like where is the money coming from and And I make fun of that person. If you're that person, I love you, but, and I just want to be you sometimes, right? That's envy and jealousy. It's that comparison. It's that thing. We want their life. That's envy. The other side of that pole is boasting and arrogance. It's this pride. It's the same problem, opposite ends of the spectrum. Envy is not having something and wanting it. Boasting and arrogance is having things and thinking more highly of yourself because of it. It's, it's uh, I actually know boasting and arrogance all too well. When I was here, the fraternity I was in was known for boasting and arrogance. And so I, I asked, I pulled the fraternity today. I said, why were we so prideful? How do we act this way? And my friends and I decided that we would walk into rooms and we would just be the center of the universe. We'd go to intramurals, we'd go to sing, we'd go to float, we'd go everywhere. We'd even come into vertical and it was just like a, It was this air. I didn't even need to describe it. You know exactly what boasting and arrogance is. That's the opposite end of the spectrum to envy. And God, God, through Paul, is speaking to us and saying, that is not love. That is not loving. Let's keep going. We're going to pick on two more things before we get to our first point. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. If you see later in this in the passage, it says that it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It keeps no records of wrongs. In a relationship that looks like that log you're keeping of like, remember that time you did this, and you keep reminding them of that time they did this, or maybe you keep reminding your roommates of that time they did this. It keeps no record of wrong, and it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. I was at a uh, Uh, a campground this weekend and we were wakeboarding and and there's this crazy example of this happened right in front of me. Um, We're wakeboarding and this kid, you know, catches an edge and just pow. And I'm like, (laughs) like, oh my, are you okay? And, but it's so funny. It was so funny. And across the lake, you could just hear this one kid that was, goes to high school with this other kid and he goes, you suck. And everyone laughed. I'm laughing. I'm like, like you go, And then really quickly, you suck. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And I'm laughing and I'm like, oh my goodness. If that isn't rejoicing at wrong or a failure, I don't know what is. And the problem is, I'm gonna pick on boys for just a second. Men, we are professionals at this. Somebody fails a test, they walk in the door, we're like, hey bro, how'd you do on the test? I already heard, you failed 48, oh my gosh. I didn't even know that was possible. Did you write your name on the top? Like, what did you do? And it's just, woo, 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 woo. Darts, 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 darts. We're just throwing them at each other. Guys are notorious. Notorious for putting being funny above being loving. Girls, you do it too. (laughs) And so... Paul is telling the Corinthians, this is what love looks like. And the first thing I want us to see is that the first point tonight is that love is more than just a feeling. Did you notice I didn't describe anything about feelings? Being merciful to your roommate, caring for them. It doesn't always feel right, it actually feels kind of annoying, right? Which is why I start tonight with the fact that love is more than just a feeling. And in fact, I would say love can be challenging to define. It can be a decision sometimes. It can be a choice. It can be an action. And oftentimes it is accompanied by a feeling. I don't want to neglect feelings and pretend like they don't exist. I don't want to pretend like emotions don't exist. But I just want you to know it's more than just that. Love is greater than just that. When it comes to marriage, one of my friends describes love in this way. Love is a decision Accompanied by an emotion that leads to a commitment. Love is a decision accompanied by an emotion that leads to a commitment. Which allows us, with regards to relationships and ring by spring and as we're dating and and we're making these decisions, that means that we should consider keeping the word love to ourselves within a relationship until your actions can be confirmed by a commitment. I'm going to say it again. Keep the word love to yourself within a relationship until your actions can be confirmed by a commitment. And you say, but I want to say it. I've never felt this way before. Okay. You love that person. Prove it to me by being patient. That's what Paul said. Love is patient. First thing. First thing. Prove it to me. Be patient. Prove it with your actions care for them, protect that word, protect that word, because love is more than just a feeling. With regards to relationships and love, we're going we're to take a, a moment to run down a rabbit trail, if you will. This rabbit trail is what I like to call the unicorn myth, and so it, when it comes to answering the question, who do I date, or what do I look for, we're going to talk about the unicorn. Okay. So we talk about what to look for in somebody who do I who do I date? Here's what we know. We know that we're looking for somebody that loves Jesus, that's abiding in Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, if as we talked about last week, for the, somebody that's abiding in Jesus will have the fruit of the spirit because they're attached to the vine. The fruit is the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. You want to look it up. So so and the first thing and the fruit of the spirit, love. So then you can look to this list in 1 Corinthians 13 and you can outline and look for all these things. You can look at this list, but here's the reality. Here's the expectations that guys have for girls. Let's just talk about it for a second. When we're looking for a girl, we're looking for somebody that's fun, that's hot, that can dance, that's hopefully was born in the South maybe. Uh, they have humble beginnings, right? Right? but lots of instagram followers they're <laughs> independent but not too independent family woman independent but family woman right fashionable you're like i want her you know to be fashionable but i don't really want her to take away my button downs from goodwill right you're like fashionable but don't get don't throw away anything in my closet right you want her to care about fashion it, 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 you want her to be crazy in love with you. And you even want her to have love as a priority on top. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? Beyonce. Yes. Beyonce, born in the South, can dance, you know, all these things, right? Beautiful, fun. Hey, guys, your expectations for girls. Beyonce, let me just help you out. She's taken. Like, she's already She's married. So you can't, it's too bad, right? But girls, you're laughing right now. Let's talk about y'all's expectations (laughs) for guys. No, no, just wait. For guys, they start with the bar a little bit lower. They're just like, first, I hope he's clean. Like showering every day. (laughs) Priority, number one, right? Funny, kind, deep, fun, I want to be sensitive, but I want to be strong and courageous, right? You're like, these are my prayers. Yes, exactly. Yes. You want him to be a traveler. You want him to travel the world, but you want him to care about family. First and foremost, family. So important. Family is important. You want him to be good with kids, maybe a camp guy, you know, because they work with kids, right? Good with kids. And you want him to be rich. That's okay. Purely for providing for the family. That's it. Not for you. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> Purely for providing for the family. You want him to have hair? You want him to own a boat? Maybe a kayak? You know, be a little adventurous? You want him to lead himself and others? Did I mention you want him to be funny and hot? You want him to be funny and hot. And Godly was, we, that was expected, right? Like, we knew that. Hopefully, godly, right? Here's the deal, girls. You know who that is? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Thomas Rhett. That's actually a mixture. I've made this person. This person is a mixture of Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, and Chapel Ryan. Am I right? <laughs> I can't find him. <laughs> You're just looking for a godly Ryan. Is there a godly Ryan in here? Are you available? Ryan. Are you really named Ryan? Good for you. Date him. All right. Unbelievable. We have so much more to get through. Character. Here's the deal. Character. Love. Love. The the fruit of the spirit, that's the prereq. Character is the prereq. Attraction, compatibility, those things can come with time. Don't give up the bar of character. Somebody that has the fruit of the spirit and love. Look for love, not a unicorn or Beyonce or Chapel Ryan. Look for love, not a unicorn. I mean it sincerely. Here's the twist. You can't find that person. You can't find her or her. Here's the deal. There has been no one that has lived according to this list perfectly other than Jesus. So it may be the structure of what we're looking for. It gives us an idea. But at the end of the day, only Jesus was the one that could live up to this. And that actually means that we're all condemned. Because we're all envious. We're all boastful. There's times we're not patient and we're not kind. We don't live up to this love. Our love can be conditional. We're sinners in need of a savior. The savior has unconditional love for us. He lived the life of love so we could look to it. And he died lovingly that we may have life. Because our sin, the way we don't love, the way we've missed the mark on love, deserves death. But again, he took that upon himself to give us life, because greater love has no one than this, that somebody would lay down his life. John 15:13. He died on our behalf because he knew what was best for us. He knew we weren't going to be able to live up to this list of love of what love is. He died because he knew we needed him to have life, and Jesus was love-lived, and he didn't just live by his feelings. Remember the garden? Where he prays, Father, take this cup from me. And he follows it with, but not my will, Lord. Father, your will. I don't think it felt good to go to the cross for us. But that's what love did on our behalf. That's not insisting on its own way. That is a love that is self-sacrificing and not self-seeking. Which brings me to my Second tangent for tonight. First was the unicorn. Next one is on boundaries. When it comes to love, love is not self-seeking and it does not insist on its own way as it says in verse 5. And I want you to know that God has outlined for us in scripture that sex is meant for marriage. And that is just about the only line that we see drawn very clearly. So when it comes to boundaries, I want you to know within a dating relationship, there can be some gray areas. And tonight, I'm not here to draw lines for you. I'm here to to help you make decisions that I think will keep you from hurt and from pain and from shame. So let's talk about this. I've heard it said that if your body is preparing itself for sex, that's too far. I think that's good advice. I don't think that's the last thing we should think of. I I actually would encourage everyone within a dating relationship to postpone intimacy, spiritual, physical, emotional, all intimacy. Postpone it as long as possible. Why? Because you're never going to look back and be like, I wish, I wish I had been more physical. You're not going to be married one day and look back and be like, yeah, and all those, you know, relationships that didn't work out. I wish I'd been, you know, more emotionally attached, right? No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to look back and think that. And so we postpone it as long as we can. And remember what we talked about last week that there's kind of, there's two, uh, two groups of people in the Bible, two categories, that I can't, this, is, this you have to wrestle with. There's people that are married and they're husband and wife and they can have sex. And then there's people that are not married and they're brothers and sisters. That's the way they're described with one another within the local body, within the church. They're, everyone's just a brother and sister, even the person you're dating, in a dating relationship with. Yes. What? Wrestle with that one when it comes to boundaries. I'm serious. I'm serious. And so again, I'm not here to draw a line, but but I do want to protect y'all in this way. Brothers don't put their hands up sister's shirts. They don't put their hands on a sister's breast. They don't put their hands on, on a sister's butt. Brothers don't take their sister's clothes off. Why? brothers and sisters, but also all of that stuff is leading to sex. All of that stuff is leading to sex. And sisters, sisters don't don't get on top of brothers and cause friction in order to create arousal and, and, and orgasm. And so all this stuff, whether it be, whether you be clothed or unclothed, none of that, none of that leads to holiness and righteousness. No, it all leads to sex, which is meant to be protected within the confines of marriage. And so I don't know where your boundaries are, but I'm helping you understand if you're in that realm of anything I just said, I want you to know it leads to sex. And I want you to just pull it back, not to give you shame, but to protect you. And you could ask the question rightfully, how would I know? I've lived it. When I was in your shoes, I've been there. Protect yourself. Create boundaries. And what do you do if you cross a boundary? Or if you feel like you're about to go too far. This is what you do. You say, hey, I think we should stop. I think this is too far. If that person that you're dating responds with, I think you're right, and their actions prove it over time, they redraw the boundary. Hey, keep dating that person. Why? Because they're loving you by not insisting on their own way. But if they insist, you say, no, thank you. I'm looking for somebody that's going to love So, if you're in a dating relationship tonight and you've gone too far, here's my deal. Just stop. The first thing, stop. Redraw boundaries. I wouldn't tell a drug addict to just keep living around with your drugs. No, I'd say flush them down the toilet. Cut it out. So maybe you should consider breaking up. I wouldn't tell somebody that's dealing with self-image, that's drinking laxatives to cleanse their body. I wouldn't tell that person To just keep that laxative around just in case. No, I'd say dump it down the toilet. I wouldn't tell the person that's addicted to porn, you know what, you can keep it on your phone right next to your bedside so you can look at it at night and masturbate. No. No, we'd cut it out. We'd stop. We'd stop. I'm protecting you because I love you. I'm not insisting on my own way. So if you're like, no, this is the person I'm supposed to marry, then redraw your boundaries. And love them by not insisting on your own way. Because living according to God's design, it's what's best for you. I want you to catch that. Living according to God's design is what's best for you and for me. I said stop if you've gone too far. I also want you to know that God loves you. You need to hear that tonight. God loves you. Whether you've done it in action or in thought. God loves you. And for those that haven't gone too far. And have been pure. Let me tell you. God loves you. And he doesn't love you more. Because of the good that you've done. He just loves you. He loves the self-righteous. And he loves the prodigal. We see. Our second point tonight. Is that God's love is greater than we can imagine for us tonight. God's love is greater than we can imagine. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. After we bring it down with this sin and the shame, we get this message that love never ends. That's good news tonight. Amen. That is good news. Love bears all things. I want you to know in the Greek, it's this covering of all things. I think that's perfect for us to be reminded of and know tonight that God would bear our sins. He would take all the sin on you and on me and he would take it on himself and he would put it on a cross. And he'd die with it on him. It's what killed him. And he resurrected from the grave to defeat that stupid sin that is bringing us shame, even in this very moment, that's making us sweat. He defeated that on the cross and by rising from the grave. And you know what that does for us? It bears all things. It covers us with his perfection. It takes all that stuff off. It's his covering of perfection. So when the father looks at you and me, for those in Christ Jesus, you know what he sees? His son's perfection because we've been covered. We've been cleansed. That is a love that is greater than we can stinking imagine. It doesn't make sense that for the prodigal who goes to waste everything, the father runs out and embraces him with a hug. It doesn't make sense that for the self-righteous son that's sitting at home thinking, this isn't for me. I haven't made those mistakes. I've never even been in a relationship. I'm better, no. The father comes out and he even comes out to the self-righteous. And he says, hey, I love you, not because of all the good that you've done, but because of who I am. It's my character. And it was proved with an action by God sending his son to die on our behalf. God loves all of us. That is mind-blowing. And you're like, that's not that mind-blowing. Here's what I want you to know. Christianity is known for a lot of things these days. But I want you to know that at the center of Christianity is a God who is loving. It's very important. That this is the case. Why? Because in the the world, that's not the way other religions work. You're working. You're doing these things to please a God that doesn't even love you. So this matters for us. For the person in the room who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that's not a Christian, I want you to know that Christianity is about a God who loves you. So what do we do with that love that we've been given? We'll close with this quickly. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now in part, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. God's love grows our love for others. God's love grows our love for others as we get to know and we get to see that God who loves us. As we get more of a glimpse every morning as we spend time with him. As we talked about last week, like Mary just sitting at his feet and we're like, oh my gosh, he still loves me even though I woke up and I wasted my first hour of the day. Or I woke up and I slept through my quiet time, whatever a quiet time even is. And God still loves me in in spite of all of that. And then you get a glimpse of that and you're like, oh. That 's freeing, I should love the people around me god 's love grows our love for others. It changes us as we see it each and every day. that one of the greatest ways to see this is in the is in a, is in a flower surprise there's this flower called the heliotrope. Do know what it is it 's this flower that, as it 's growing it 's continually keeping. It's gaze on the sun through the day and it grows because it's keeping its gaze and its focus on the sun and seeds are coming out as it's growing. And you know what it's called? A sunflower. Unbelievable. God's love, focusing on his love throughout our days is going to allow us to plant seeds and grow and love others. It's amazing. You're like, that's the cheesiest thing I've heard today. And you're right. And that's okay. Because it's amazing that his creation reflects his glory. We can celebrate that. So in summary, love is more than just a feeling. God's love is greater than we can imagine. And God's love grows our love for others. Because we're all looking for love. Because we're all sinners in need of a savior. And the love that we need it's the love that comes from Jesus. So you look, you look as you're looking for who to date. You look for love, but you'd be gracious. Don't don't overcompensate on that grace. Keep that bar high, but look for love and know that it can only be perfected in Jesus. Find somebody who is growing and their likeness of love. In 1 Timothy 4, it says, so that people may see your progress. See somebody that's progressively becoming more and more like Christ because they're they're seeing and getting more and more of a glimpse of who he is. That's what love is. And that's how it could look in a relationship and in marriage. I want to close with this. Love's important within relationships and within marriage. But I just want you to know one day you're gonna graduate from here, hopefully. (laughs) And you're gonna move. Hopefully somewhere that's not as hot as Waco. So let's say we'll go to Denver. You go to Denver, you meet some friends, you get connected to a local church, you know, you're doing your independent thing because you left Texas and everyone else went to Dallas. And and so you're there, and all this is happening, and you're finding friends, and you move in with roommates, and you know, this this is going on, and, and you're you're just learning how to live outside of this world of the bubble of college, and and, and all that's going on, and, and you get to know, you know, your roommates and the people around you, and then one day you walk across the street and you start to meet your neighbors, and you realize that these neighbors are Dale's cousins. What? These neighbors are your cousin, or my cousins, not your cousins. (laughs) They're my cousins who I spent part of the summer with when I was in Colorado. And we were talking back and forth because they don't believe that a God exists. Why? Biggest beef with Christianity because nobody has loved them. Said it to my face. And in fact, they're very hospitable people. So the way they see things, they're more loving than everyone else. Why would we follow a God who, whose people who follow him don't love? They know about Jesus. They were like, we believe in what Jesus did. We think he's a great example of love. We wish people did it. What am I supposed to say? I don't live in Denver. I only get to see him like twice a year. And I'm just the crazy Christian guy that does this for a living. And so it matters to understand love within a relationship and within, within a marriage, but it also matters now. May we love our roommates May we love the people sitting next to us in class. May may we love our neighbors. And may you love the people that you live across the street from in Denver when you leave this place. Please. I beg of you. Because I don't know if I'm going to get there. I actually believe God could use one of you. I believe it. So my challenge is to go and love. Know his love and love others. Please move to Denver and do it too please (laughs) and my last challenge to you is this I want you to start praying for your roommates and your neighbors right now just as much as you pray for the person you don't even know that one day you're gonna marry pray for your roommates now pray for your neighbors now I know you want to pray for your marriage, pray for both, all of them, please, and I hope that I'll do the same. It's my challenge to us. May we in this room love this campus and may it change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us in spite of all the ways that we failed you about all the ways we haven't been loving. Father, thanks for sending your son to just prove that you love us so we may be clean and covered by the love of Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray in this moment, if there's anyone that doesn't know you on a personal level, that knew the love, that's just a head knowledge, but they're realizing tonight they don't believe it in their hearts. Lord, I pray that in this moment, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, that they would just raise their hand and say, man, I need to know that love. I need to be in right relationship with that love. I don't wanna be in shame. Would you raise your hand if you're like, I need to know that love. I need to recommit to that love that you have given us. Lord, thank you for that love. Pray, thank you for that love. I want to know you. I want to live with you and for you. You can put your hands down. For those in the room, that are searching, Lord, may you reveal your love to each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name.